Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! Everybody and welcome to Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGoff. And I'm Annie Cardi. Hi, Annie. Hi, Walt. Annie, I have to be honest with you. Oh, no. Walt is no longer here. What? There is only a sentient communal band of germs, viruses, mucinics, and other white blood cells. But I will tell you something, and that is that that sentient communal band is very curious to hear what we do on Crossover Appeal. On Crossover Appeal, um, we take two pieces of media like a book or movie or tv show Mm -hmm. then cross it over with another book or movie or tv show fascinating see where the crossovers happen much like when bands of germs cross over and form a different illness whole new summer colds yeah nobody even saw coming exactly well that's good because actually a lot of the viruses in here have very specific and well-informed pop culture opinions they so, do. Yeah. Oh, we have most of our fans come to us from viruses. That's true. Which is, <laughs> but that's more about hacking than anything else. Oh, we no. Just, we put out malware that directs hacking. people directly <laughs> to this podcast. Oh, <laughs> man. We're, we're what, three puns now at the top of Yay. this hour? We're doing all right. <laughs> man, all, all you germs are just hanging in there. Yeah, ladies and germs. Yeah, right? Tip your waitresses. <laughs> Well, Annie, what uh, what two pieces of pop culture are we implanting virus-like into the minds of America yes. this evening? Today, we are crossing over Bend It Like Beckham and Aliens. Yeah, you know, like you do. Yeah. Speaking two... of parasitic organizations. Yeah, exactly. Organisms, yeah, I mean. <laughs> parasitic they... organizations like Major League Soccer <laughs> yes. and parasitic organisms like, like aliens. Aliens that burst out of your stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect segue. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Why don't you get us started off by telling us about Bend It Like Beckham? Uh, so Bend It Like Beckham is a 2002 romantic comedy slash sports film slash family drama. Um, it's really got the best of all of those. Yeah, so many slashes. So many slashes. Each and every one and a winner. Frankly, if you go on like fanfic.net, you will find a lot of slash there as yeah, well. But they're all here. They're all here. Well, <laughs> not all of them. No, we'll see how that There's turns a out. Lack of Harry Potter and Snape in, um, in slash. No, slashes. slash is in general for all fandoms. Oh, no, I know. Oh, okay. But there's a lot in the Harry Potter fandom. Oh, sure. Well. I mean, there's a lot in the Newsies fandom as well. <laughs> Which is a Any... fandom that anybody who saw Annie's Facebook live stream yes, knows she I is was well versed into. Yeah. Um, but I think. I mean, I haven't gone into a deep dive of the Bennett Lake Beckham fanfic world community. community, but I'm pretty sure there is a lot of like girl slash in that. Yeah. Oh, I would very like, much believe yeah. that. So, I mean, that's a whole premise of part of the movie. Exactly. Um, so without <laughs> giving away too much, um, 2002 film, it was written and directed by Garinda Chada and stars Parminder Nagra, Kira Knightley, and Jonathan Reese Myers. Um, it was like a kind of a sleeper hit, and it made seventy six million dollars on a six million dollar budget. So that's a that is ex- yeah, that is a super good return. That is the kind of movie you want to make. And um, that's why we've been inundated with quaint comedies about 
sucker ever since. I know. Just Aww. all the all those great movies about young women and their their sports talents yeah, that we this have was had. The one that finally proved that there was no an no. Don't worry, guys. We need another Transformers movie. <sighs> That's what we really need. Oy. Um, but in better news, this um, Bed at Lake Beckham also became the highest grossing Indian themed film ever in the United States. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, people loved it. I love it. I think it is one of my top romantic comedies of all time. Mm-hmm. Not just in the last uh, 20 years. Yeah, I'd put it up there. Totally. Uh, so the story follows 18-year-old Jess, Jessminder, uh, Jess Bamra, a British Sikh girl living in London. She's a good student, has friends, loves her family, and soccer. Unfortunately, her family is more culturally traditional, so Jess's parents don't approve of her athleticism. Um, you know, she ends up playing soccer with her boyfriend's male friends yeah. guy friends whatever. friends who are boys friends who are boys in the park um you know they they think that's probably not so cool um but jess just kind of loves being on the sports fields mm-hmm. as one might <laughs> yeah which we are very familiar <laughs> yes with. completely familiar with those sports fields mm-hmm. um so jess is playing soccer with some guy friends in the park one day when she is spotted by Juliet Jules Paxton. There's a lot of nicknames here. There's also a lot of J There's names There's a lot of here. J names, so let's keep them straight. Jess yeah. is our protagonist. Jules is her friend, um, mm-hmm. who plays for a local woman, women's team. Um, Jess secretly joins the Hounslow Harriers, coached by Swoony but Broody Joe, another J name. Yeah, really. It, feels like, it almost feels like they were going for something metaphorical with this. I, you know, I don't know. I feel like if if I had workshopped this, I would have been like, oh, maybe change one of the names. Maybe one less monosyllabic but, J you know, name. Yeah, yeah. But it worked out I love them fine. all. Yeah. I don't even care. And it's a movie, so you're seeing them with faces. Yeah, exactly. They have actual faces on the movie. <laughs> it's true. That was one of the things that really set this film apart. <laughs> Let's cast people with faces. Mm-hmm. Revolutionary. Um, so Jess develops a close friendship with Jules. She has chemistry with Joe, and she develops her major talent for soccer. Um, meanwhile, Jess is also trying to manage family drama as her sister Pinky's wedding approaches. Uh, Jess's parents find out that she's been playing soccer behind their backs and forbid her from continuing. Joe tries to convince the Bamras to let her play, but Mr. Bamra explains that he was kept out of a cricket league as a young man because he's Sikh and he doesn't want Jess to encounter the same kind of prejudice. So sad. Yeah, which I think is a fun, different, like you were saying yeah. earlier, it's a, it's a fun, different reason to have a family opposed than just like, but like oh, we don't do that. Conservative. Yeah, because it's like her, you know, her mom, Jess's mom wants her to learn how to cook these traditional dishes. She has to show up for all these pre-wedding events for her sister. But her dad is really just trying to make sure that her daughter doesn't encounter, like, racial prejudice. Mm-hmm. Um, this was obviously a thing that really hurt him as a young man. Um, yeah, and it's not that he doesn't think his daughter is smart or talented or, you know, should just be in the kitchen. It's that he he doesn't want to see her hurt. Yeah. Um, so it's like Jess's family is lovely. As a, so I'll talk about, more about this later. Yeah. But I love all of them. They're great. Um, so meanwhile, Jess and Jules' friendship is strained because Jules sees Jess and Joe almost kiss. This sounds like a, a child's grammar book. <laughs> I know. I'm going to try and say everything right. <laughs> Jules has a crush on Joe as well, even though he doesn't reciprocate her feelings. Jules's mom hears the girls fighting and assumes that they're arguing about their own relationship, Ooh. that they are ladies kissing faces. Misunderstood. Um, because Jules's mom is like, oh, you're sporty. That must mean you're gay. And you have a short haircut. Yeah, right. And Obviously, that happened to me. So I got my hair. Of, she was sort of tomboyish. Yeah, know. that is true. She, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. But when you cut your hair, when you got that bob cut, man. Yeah, I just. Everybody yeah. started thinking. 
that yeah they were like wow Annie I guess you're gay now and mm-hmm. I'm like that's that's the burden that's the of sign <laughs> obviously <laughs> um so everything kind of comes to a head on the day of Pinky's wedding which is also the day of the women's soccer league finals Jess goes to her sister's wedding but Mr. Bramrose sees how unhappy she is and lets her join her team for the finals Jess helps the team win the championship, and she and Jules both win scholarships to college in the U.S. Jess and Joe start a long-distance relationship, and Joe's play, Joe plays cricket with Mr. Bamra. Cute. So much happiness all and, around. And David Beckham pops up. Yeah, David Beckham and um, Victoria Beckham. Oh, right. The Spice Girl. Hush, I, I mean, it's like the back of their heads, so I don't think it's actually them. I don't know. I thought it was. I don't know. I thought it was like it's the a actor mystery standing. To yeah. I yeah. don't know if they got them for a day. It's like of that ghost of three men and a baby. That's true. They just got actually a standout of it's Ted actually, Danson yep. and walked it by. <laughs> oh, no, I meant I meant that the ghost from Three Men and a Baby was playing Victoria Beckham. Oh no, that's what one. I mean. Oh, I yeah. mean the ghost who is just, just a, a cut pop, out? just yeah. a cut out of Ted Danson. See, that's what they the ghost just wants carried you to him. Think. No, <laughs> what if the ghost from Three Men and a Baby okay. was carrying a cardboard cutout uh-huh. of Ted Danson? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> through the set of Bennett like Beckham yes. and they were like we can't let this opportunity pass us by we should pretend that it is Posh Spice yeah I like that it's not we should pretend this is David Beckham no it's Posh Ted Spice Ted Danson definitely looks more like Posh Spice you heard it here, for, here first David folks Beckham. <laughs> Victoria yeah. Beckham I am deeply sorry it's you're true. a lovely woman and do not and like the Ted Spice Danson. Girls have a very special place in my heart as well they should as well they should um, so, <laughs> so yeah. other than the ghost carrying a cardboard cutout, who are the characters in Bend It Like Beckham? Yep. Um, so we have Jess Minder, Jess Bamra, uh, played by Parminder Nagra, uh, Juliet Jules Paxton, played by Karen Knightley, uh, Joe, played by Jonathan Reese Myers, uh, Mr. Bamra, Jess's dad, Mrs. Bamra, Jess's mom, Pinky, Jess's sister, uh, Tony, Jess's friend, a fellow Sikh, and a young gay man. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, like it's a whole plot line throughout that, you know, doesn't play much into the whole, into the very um, concise plot that I've put together yeah. here. But like it's a very centralized plot, but then there is this like yeah, outside. Yeah, yeah, because um, Jess and Tony are really good friends, and I think their parents are like, oh, maybe they could be married. And, you know, it's not like they have an arranged marriage, but it's the the sense of we hope that our children will marry within our cultural circle and have children who will further our cultural ideas. Um, And like, mean, you know, while Jess is on this path to self-discovery with athletics, um, you know, Tony is this side character, so we don't get to see a lot of him in action, but we find out that, yeah, he, he's not attracted to Jess because he's gay. Yeah. (laughs) Like he's got his own thing going on too. And it's, I think it's a nice layer to add into this world of, um, again, like the traditional family and social circles and how young people are encountering that part of their identity while yeah. also their con- their identity as young contemporary people in the world. Yeah, and it makes it that much more universalized, I think, and that it avoids that much more sort of making the conservative Indian family this like – it doesn't like exoticize it at all yeah. or, or and push it's it out like to the fringes. In- it's like, no, these are problems that every family – yeah. And it's not like they're like the traditional parts of Jess and Tony's life is are bad. Like they're not right. like, man, we just can't wait to escape our families. Yeah. But it's like, no, they have to deal with who they are as people living now while being also people who love their their parents mm-hmm. and their like 
masses of family and friends who come to your wedding. Yeah, you know, and that they draw a lot of strength from that. Yeah. Um, so we have Mr. and Mrs. Paxton, Jules's parents. Um, Mel is one of the Henslow Harriers uh, teammates. She is the team captain. Um, we've got a bunch of other teammates yeah. who aren't really named. Um, there's Mina, Bubbly, and Monica, who are Pinky's friends. And they're kind <laughs> of like the Greek chorus yeah. of like contemporary, like young Jesse women in London. Um, they are, you know, they and, and Pinky are much more like traditionally feminine but also right. in a very contemporary way yeah they're living as younger people but within this culture yeah and like very much a part of it but also like they're having sex in cars by the right. airport it's like and, who has a secret boyfriend even mm -hmm. if they're also Sikh, but they don't want their parents to know that they're hooking up right um yeah and there you know there are kind of a bunch of other various family members in the circle um but yeah, these are our kind of main cast members. Mm -hmm. um, some themes of the movie. Um, again, that cultural expectations theme is really huge here. Jess wants to be a good, respectful daughter and doesn't want to give up her family life, but also wants to foster her love of and talent for athletics. Um, and again, I really like that this film shows the complexity of family and cultural life. Jess isn't trying to break away from her family and traditions, just blend them into the life she wants to lead as a young woman in the 21st century. Um, but the support of the community is kind of the most important thing here. Um, Jess ultimately succeeds when she's supported by both her family and her team. So it's not like a one or the other. And do her family show up to the game at the end? Her dad does. And then she, oh, she envisions a lot of the, the yes. aunties as the defense line. Yeah. Okay. I knew that there was, there, I knew. There I was, was a, a scene of, yeah, of, 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 of older. Indian aunties yeah. on the soccer field. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Um, and another theme is again, that generational differences, um, both Jess, Jules and Joe are, um, or rather all Jess, Jules and Joe all have parents who impose. <laughs> J cubed. J cubed. That's a great nineties boy band name, by the way, oh, if yeah. anyone wants to travel Missed back in time and take that Which one. is also a great nineties boy band name. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see someone develop cover art for J cubed and Missed Opportunities. Featuring opening act, Missed Opportunities. <laughs> Missed Opportunities is a 90s boy band made up of 40-year-olds. Oh, no. I see. I was thinking of that they were all like punk e nine, you know, like those like punk pop 90s. Oh, yeah. Like kids. new metal. Yeah. But it's like your parents are like, oh, man, you have all these missed opportunities. And they're like, yeah, that's our band name. <laughs> it's our ethos. Yeah. We're just a bunch of missed opportunities. We could have signed with a label, but we decided to just watch that go riding by. I was supposed to take my SATs today, but I'm at this... You farm rock concert. I was supposed to take my life-saving heart medication today, but I decided to rock. Dave, you should probably take your life-saving <laughs> no, heart medication. Oh, man, medication. I made my choice. That's why they never got beyond an opening act. <laughs> yeah, right. They just have the ambulance on standby. Well, we can only get two songs in before the EMTs Aww. show up. <sighs> oh, man. So, J-Cubed. Jacob, oh, there we go. Jacob, all have parents who parents who invoke various expectations on them. Um, you know, Jess with her uh, family who wants her to be involved in their traditional Sikh culture. Um, Jules, whose mom thinks she should be more traditionally feminine and that she's probably a lesbian for having short hair. Mm -hmm. um, and Joe, whose father kind of pushed him too hard in in athletics and ended up like causing an injury yeah he blew out his knee yeah yeah 
Um, and Joe loves teaching the the women's soccer team, and his dad thinks that's like shameful. Mm-hmm. Um, he's wrong. He's super wrong. That Hansel Harriers are awesome. Um, so they, these are all young people who are dealing with parental expectations and um, balancing their individual needs in this contemporary London life. Uh, some things I like and I think other people will like. Um, again, it's just such a nuanced look at one particular contemporary cultural experience. Jess's family is never portrayed as something bad or something to escape. Like, you just want her and her parents to come together and understand each other. Because they they're also lovable. Yeah. And, like, so again, support each other. Like, the best things come from this beautiful communal support. Yeah. And similar to the dad's story, like, everything comes from a very specific character place. Yeah. And not just this place of, like, oh, women can't do this. Right. Like, in our society, women aren't allowed to play soccer. It's exactly. like... You know, her mom thinks, okay, you're you're a young woman now. You shouldn't be showing your legs with a bunch of guys. But, again, they, they're supportive of her in, like, science classes and yeah. want her to do well in life. And, her, again, her dad is just trying to, to shield her from pain that he has experienced. Dad's going to dad. Yeah, right? Mm. Oh, dads. Oh, happy Father's Day, dads. Happy Father's Day out there, all you dads. <laughs> Um, it's also great to see a young woman of color portrayed as a smart, funny, athletic, re- uh, religious, and talented person. Like, Jess is such a fantastic character, and I really wish we had more characters like her on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and overall, it's such a warm movie. Like, the, the cast has great chemistry. It's, like, really funny and heart-wrenching and sweet and sad and, like, just beautifully drawn and exciting. Um, even though I feel like the most important relationships in the movie are the family ones, like it's definitely one of my all time favorite romantic comedies. Yeah, it's really good. And I feel like it has just like a fraction of step away from reality to it or of heightened reality to it. Like it's not, it's so grounded and personalized, but it's also like just a little bit of magic. Yeah. You've got like just talks to her David Beckham poster. Like he doesn't talk back, Mm -hmm. but there's that kind of edge of like skirting non-reality yeah. and like her imagining the aunties at the finals yeah, when she's in the shootout the like, movie finds fun ways into its characters heads yeah um but it's still very much grounded in like just a normal girl's experience yeah, absolutely um so yeah speaking you, of things that are grounded in a normal girl's yeah experience, totally just any, uh what about aliens let me tell you about aliens uh so Aliens is a 1986 film directed by James Cameron. Uh, it's the sequel to Ridley Scott's seminal masterwork, Alien, which finally put to bed the question of whether space is a place that people can hear you scream. Can can you can they hear you scream? No one can. Turns wow. out. I know. What no, about the aliens? Uh, no, they don't have ears. Oh, well, that, that They have weird that. pulsating sacs that they process mm. auditory. Or weird pulsating sacs. There's another great 90s band. <laughs> the 90s boy band. You know, they played a lot of shopping malls, but <laughs> they, never they really cut a no. deal. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Um, Aliens was Cameron's follow-up to The Terminator, uh, which was his very first movie, even though it was actually written while The Terminator was in production. He was in conversations with 20th Century Fox um, during the making of that first movie. Um, And it's sort of when Aliens was made, it kind of opened up the thematic and stylistic variations that have become a staple of the Aliens series. Um, a lot of the movies uh, have very idiosyncratic, sometimes for good, sometimes for less than good, uh, identities and styles that um, makes it a very varied kind of series. Um, 
The film also cemented Cameron as one of the best action movie directors of all time, reminded anybody who'd forgotten that Sigourney Weaver is an amazing badass who can do anything ever and just should be in all the movies. Why would you ever forget that? I know. As if you could. But as we will find and- out later... Some for some it was possible. What I know that's garbage. Suspense. Dun, dun, dun. Um, basic synopsis: uh, the movie picks up 57 years after the events of Alien, which we have not discussed on the podcast yet. But if you need a reminder on that one, it's about a bunch of space truckers who find an alien, and all of them die but Sigourney Weaver's character, Ellen Ripley. Um, she kills the alien and escapes in suspended animation, and then uh, aliens the sequel film, which we're talking about today, begins 57 years later with her being rescued and reintegrated kind of poorly into a society that is weird and foreign to her. Um, It's things like she finds out that her daughter uh, has not only become older than her because she was in suspended animation, but also passed away in the intervening 57 years. It's very sad. Um, What is further sad is that she is pretty understandably traumatized and haunted by the events of the first film, and her recovery is not helped by the arrival of Carter Burke, who's played by Paul Reiser at sort of peak sleaze. Yeah. Was this before or after Mad About You? It was before. Oh, wow. So he was like, man, this is my peak sleaze. I need to go back into normal sitcom. I need to be warm and fuzzy after this. Um, But yeah, it is Paul Reiser just Paul Reisering it up. Um, Burke is from the Wayland-Yutani Corporation, which for people who follow the Alien series know is like a big deal sort of megacorp that is working in the shadows behind everything that goes on. Um, And Wayland-Yutani has established a colony on the same planet that Ripley's crew encountered the alien in the last film. And surprise, surprise, they have lost contact with said colony. Ba-ba-bum. Um... Burke is sending a squad of space marines to investigate the situation at the colony and wants to send Ripley along as an advisor. She eventually agrees, but only after she makes Burke promise to exterminate any aliens that they find instead of trying to bring them back for study. Burke promises, which, spoiler alert, smarmy Paul Reiser, gonna smarm. Um... We then meet the unit of colonial marines who will be traveling with Ripley, uh, and none of them really listen to her warnings about what they're likely to find on the surface of the planet because they're marines and they have guns and they think that they're awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, many of them are. Yeah. But but the aliens are no joke. It's true. Um, so yeah, them ignoring her is a shame because they wind up encountering pretty much exactly what Ripley tells them they will. And everything goes wrong in the kind of escalating, oh crap situation that James Cameron is so good at creating. Um, like seriously, half the fun of this movie is just watching the way that very rationally and very believably there is this kind of inexorable pileup of problems. Um, Things just keep getting worse and worse and worse for the characters, Um, and so the tension just builds and builds and builds, but it's never far-fetched. It's a lot of little things and little decisions and little character failings that all result in this Rube Goldberg contraption of problems. And if, I mean, again, despite Ridley having told them, this is exactly what you're going to encounter. Like, they are in way over their heads. Exactly. Um, after most of the Marines are killed by aliens, uh, Ripley has to step in and take charge of the remaining group, uh, including the noble Hicks, the cowardly Hudson, the android Bishop, and a few others uh, to survive and uh, find a way off the planet. Um, they also meet up with Newt, who is a little girl who is the only surviving colonist and becomes a surrogate daughter figure of sorts for Ripley. I feel like if I had seen aliens as a kid, like I would have been all over Newt as a character. Oh, yeah. It like makes me wish I'd seen aliens as a kid. Yeah. 
Yeah, she's fine. They find a really fascinating blend of like adorable Moppet and then sort of stone cold survivor and competence and then also traumatized. Like Newt I, is, a, is a character who has seen her family yeah. get eaten by aliens. I feel like Newt is what Anne with an E, the miniseries, wanted Anne of Green Gables to be. Ooh, hot take. Yeah, like that's that's what she should should have been. The sort and of trauma it, survivor. Yeah, who, like competent trauma survivor who yeah. eventually finds her mother figure. Yeah, and I can see yeah, that. Yeah, Absolutely. like that just did not happen. Anyway. Yeah, um, the movie spends about <laughs> one third of its running time setting up all that stuff I just talked about. The last two thirds are almost straight away tension raising set piece after tension raising set piece. Um, once this movie gets going, it's like a clock; it just keeps ticking away. Um, the original Alien had, as the title implies, one alien, and in keeping with the conventions, the sequel film has many, many more than one alien and one uh, plus aliens. Yes, one plus aliens, and that is a problem for the Marines. Um, it also has an alien queen who Ripley must ultimately face down while wearing a giant robotic mecha suit that James Cameron, in his awesome storytellingness, even sets up during the initial. Phase. Yeah. Yeah. of the movie it's basically like the most impressive sci-fi Chekhov's gun stand-in uh that you've ever seen I feel like if you do Chekhov now you just need Ripley's suit instead of guns yeah just a power suit on the back wall yeah just waiting yeah waiting to go off Hedda Gabler would be so cool yeah I'm just saying yeah. I I would like to see theater companies do that mm-hmm. um after all is said and done Ripley has punched the queen into space the hive of aliens has been exploded Paul Reiser has had his face justifiably eaten off and Ripley Hicks Bishop and Newt settle down into cryosleep where they will stay and wait until David Fincher horribly mistreats them in the sequel Aliens 3 in the David Fincher fanfic of Aliens. Yeah, I mean, essentially. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much every sequel after Aliens is somebody's it's, fanfic of the Alien universe. Ha. Sometimes even Ripley Scott, Ridley Scott's. Yeah, um, that happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the last book of Twilight. Well, that's been the last five years of the Alien saga. Oh. So, um, characters in this film. Um, Ellen Ripley, you guys. I wrote this one in all caps in the show notes. Um one of, if not the most iconic action heroes of the last 50 years. Um, she is no nonsense. She's tough as nails. She's compassionate. Dang. She's smart. She I, can She can drive a power loader. Um, she's the Furiosa of space truckers. And now I want to see that crossover yeah, too. Yeah, I honestly... Okay, so this we are a long way from March Madness. But I think it would be kind of awesome to do a like lady action heroes March Madness. Oh, because yeah. there would be no bad winner no like, and, I, and i really i think that it would probably come down to ripley and furiosa yeah that's i mean but like what about someone like hermione granger true like she is a different kind of action hero that is very true i would still think they would be my, t- my two top scenes yeah oh, yeah like but there are a lot of real good choices yeah okay we can start working on this for the next yeah march. get ready for march guys this is oh. a reason to hang on till 2018 <laughs> it's true. please just stick with us um, there's Newt, played by Carrie Henn, in her first and only acting role. Um, she pretty oh, much went out on top. Uh, Newt- yeah, right? That's a real good role for yeah. acting as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, Newt is capable. Like we said, she's just moppity enough to elicit feels without being annoying. And she is very aware that when it comes to aliens, they mostly come at night. Mostly. Um, also, uh, Carrie Henn purposefully messed up a lot of takes of one scene where she falls into a sewer because she was having fun going down the slide that they had constructed. And I just love that piece of you trivia. You slide dog, you. <laughs> um, there's Hicks, who's played by Michael Bean. He's a nice guy. That's pretty much it. Um, he's the only Marine who actually listens to Ripley and agrees that they should take off and nuke the site from orbit. After all, it is the only way to be sure. 
Um, there's Bishop, played by Lance Hendrickson. He's an android. Um, there is an android in the first Alien film, played by Ian Holm, who turns out to be a creeper. Um, and the film uses Hendrickson's sort of inherent creepiness as a really perfect character motivator because he winds up essentially being the inverse of Ash from the last movie. Um, Ripley starts out very distrustful of him because of how she was treated by Ash in the prior movie, but he winds up being um, a true hero, even though he gets ripped in half. Um, he's an android. They can survive that. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's Hudson, played by Bill Paxton, um, RIP. Uh, he is a wise-ass coward with a heart of, I guess, panic and swearing for the most part. Um, he also shouts Game Over Man a lot, and that makes for a pretty useful gif in online conversations. That is true. Or or a thing to shout at the end of a soccer match. Also true. Ooh, man. Just put that one in We're your back pocket. We're front-loading this crossover. Yeah. Uh, Carter Burke, played by Paul Reiser, who is mad about you as long as the you being referred to is the advancing of mad science through subjecting human guinea pigs to alien attacks. Um, <laughs> he is the, the dad of my two dads. If... The other dad is an alien that eats yeah, his face that implants off. itself into your stomach. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Helen Hunt's in there somewhere. We don't know where. <laughs> Helen Hunt's for you. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yep. The title of her upcoming autobiography. <laughs> or show on the Discovery Channel. Uh, <laughs> I would watch that so hard. Mm -hmm. I would watch. I would TiVo the heck out of that. I don't even have a TiVo. I would buy one. Um, there is Lieutenant Gorman, who's played by William Hope. Um, he is just the most sadly overmatched operations leader ever to lead an operation. Um, he's kind of at the head of the squad and very immediately becomes clear that he is not capable of handling this. Um, he gets a head injury and it makes him a better soldier somehow. Like that's how bad of a place he starts off in. Um, there's Private Vasquez, played by Jeanette Goldstein. She's a snarky badass with a wicked cool smart gun and one of the best zingers in the movie. When uh, Hudson asks her if she's ever been mistaken for a woman, and she says, "I don't know, have you?" Oh, no, I'm sorry, I messed it up. This oh, is no. why we leave the, we leave it to the professionals. Uh, Hudson asks her if she's ever been mistaken for a man. Yeah, and she says, "No, have you?" Oh, there you go. And that's a that's a more of a wicked burn. Yeah, yeah. Anywho, moving right along. Uh <laughs> The cast is rounded out by all the other soldiers, all of whom have cool names like Frost, Apone, Drake, Pharaoh, Spunkmire, Dietrich, Crow. The list goes on and on. This sounds like. The, basically the same kind of naming convention I used for my Newsies fanfic characters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. James yeah. Cameron has a little bit of Newsies fanfic. Yeah. In James sure. Cameron, I'm sure, has some some great AUs. I'm, I'm sure that like there was an earlier draft of oh. the script where one of the soldiers was named Kid Blink. I mean. Yeah. No, that's a that's a real character, not a fanfic character. Um, pardon me. Excuse me. I didn't mean to to nose in on the, on the real. The <laughs> um, real... Kid Blink is a real person. Well, it's true. Historical fact. Historical creatures. <laughs> uh, um, all of these soldiers with the cool names, um, they're mostly just there to be fodder for the aliens, but Cameron is very good at sort of action movie economy of character, and so he manages to craft little mini personalities for a surprising number of them before they bite it. Um, and then there's the aliens. One of the most effective parts of Ridley Scott's first movie was that the alien, which was designed by H.R. Giger, uh, notable weird, weird man, um, kept shifting form, but in ways that made a weird kind of sense biologically. Um, and so Cameron sort of took that ball and ran with it. And Aliens actually kind of fleshes out and codifies the life cycle of the alien from facehugger to chestburster to xenomorph to queen. Um, it helps to continuously escalate the threat. They keep encountering different phases of alien and different situations involving them. And also the aliens are just all over the place. And so they're a very oppressive 
force in the movie mm-hmm. and they keep eating people and that's not cool it's it's human buffet it's true they're, they're very excited they're living it up and the aliens version of the movie like this is a great day oh yeah they're having a ball until they get blown up yeah that's then true. It's not so good uh, themes and fun stuff from aliens um the movie is just a straight up roller coaster uh the first film was horror but this one is absolutely action. Um, as horribly as many of the characters die, there's still a sense of gamesmanship and even fun to the proceedings as it goes on. Um, it's just kind of a tension-building machine, and Cameron never lets up on it. So it has a very different feel than the really stark, empty, desolate feeling of Ridley Scott's original movie. Um, which, again, that sort of helped establish the Alien series as more of a shared world that people could bring their own stamp to as they saw fit. Um, it also really set up the template of colonial marines that has popped up in sci-fi films of all kinds in the years mm-hmm. since. Um, the idea that it's sort of like a working man's space army that is constantly underestimating the things it encounters. Um, in the way that George Lucas used World War II dogfights as a reference for Star Wars, Cameron used Vietnam as a touchpoint for aliens. Um, this idea that you've got an overpowered, overconfident squad of men and women getting mired down and overmatched by superior numbers, and as in Vietnam, only rescued by Sigourney Weaver wielding a flamethrower that she has taped to a machine gun. That's, yeah, that's the hashtag fake news I would read. Yeah, that's how we did it. Um, continuing to codify the idea of powerful women as action stars is something that Aliens did a lot of. This is something that James Cameron did a lot of in his early career with Sarah Connor in Terminator. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and Ripley as She's well. She's another one we can add to the March Madness Oh yeah, she'd be in there for list. sure. Um, despite the success of the original Alien and her character's awesomeness in that film, 20th Century Fox actually didn't want Sigourney Weaver to return for Aliens, and Cameron had to threaten to quit the what? project unless they hired her. Oh my god. Um, it was ultimately a salary debate. She got paid oh, okay. like eight times as much if for Aliens than she did for Alien. Yeah. But like, it was, it was really Cameron who had to step up and say, no, like, She's this is an it. intrinsic part yeah. of the or- And she didn't want to do the film until she read the script. Like, there was a lot of give and take about oh, okay. what it was going to happen just, with Ripley's character. We don't want a lady. No, but it was close to it. I think yeah. it was. It, they were probably like, we don't want to pay a lady that much. Right. And it still wasn't seen as a bankable option. Um, and then one thing that I like about Aliens that as it stands in opposition to the rest of the Aliens series, uh, is that it's actually optimistic in a way that the first two, which are the best of the films in the Aliens franchise, are. Um, Cameron seems to be the only person who's ever made an Aliens movie and also recognized that character matters and that audiences maybe don't actually always want to see everybody get their faces eaten uh, or die horribly. Um, So, like... A lot of the other films, especially the most recent ones, Prometheus and Alien Covenant, which are directed by Ridley Scott, follow the template of Alien and Aliens by having strong, competent women at their centers. Um, But then they can't resist a sort of final rug pull where those characters Mm. get nullified or overpowered or outsmarted, um, usually by Michael Fassbender, um, because he's the only actually interesting character in those movies. Um, But... You know, Ridley Scott, uh, even when he was making the original Alien, wanted Ripley to die at the end. What? Um, he wanted the alien to just kind of... Kind of win? Yeah, just power through and, like, bite her head off. And that would be the end of the film. Um, the studio stepped in and said, no, you can't do that. And boy, was it the right conversation. Yeah. Right decision. But Cameron was really the only director who's worked in this franchise who kind of gets that when you have a character as cool and iconic as Ripley, it helps to treat them well and that yeah, and that the, and give her the moment of success. Yeah, that there's something about progress and about positivity that even these kinds of movies uh, can benefit from. 
Um, so yeah, it lets them sort of take their place in a pantheon of characters that then gets turned into a March Madness bracket. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, that is the world of aliens. We've talked about the world of bending it like Beckham. Annie, where's the thematic crossover in these well, two? Well, just a little of what we were talking about now made me think of not only giving kind of these lovable characters their moment of success, but also kind of the joy of community and kind of that focus. Like, I love yeah. that this, you know, like kind of scary action adventure movie ends with this little found family yeah. and uh, Ripley like attacking the alien queen for her like new foster daughter. Yeah. Um, and in the same way that, you know, Jess, like she has her own biological family, but she, again, like, is at her best when she is supported both by her, her biological family and her cultural community and her um, her teammates and her friends. Yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, exactly. And there's something to be said for movies that end with, like, that being the, the central focus and, like, communal triumph, like, you know... winning as opposed to just being you know down and aliens eat your face off yeah and even like the last i would say five deaths in aliens are all for the most part people sacrificing themselves in some way or another and being part of the effort that leads to the escapes yeah happening like there's a real build of sacrifice that goes through and characters who have had rougher patches get redeemed and you know they're still and, and terrible things Schmarby, paul riser like they don't just push him into the aliens no he runs into it yeah but like they're not actively trying to hard they're they're mostly trying to get him out alive too yeah for the most part yeah but they're not like destroyed they're, yeah they're, they're not sad that he dies yeah, no, but it's, okay but it's still it. also like no you're you're a human we're gonna save your life yeah and like gorman gets his chance to earn respect as a soldier even though he's largely responsible for a lot of the deaths at the beginning like it's really you know it's a yeah it's a film that reflects on the need to sort of hang together and yeah uh, yeah, family i think is very important Mm -hmm. Um, um and powerful women mm -hmm. like obviously ripley coming out at the end in her power suit is awesome yeah it is and and jess is a powerful young woman Mm -hmm. like i think so much of bennett like beckham is you know her finding her strength as a young Sikh woman who is also athletic and smart and brave and competent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's something generational going on in the fact that Ripley's been in cryostasis for 57 yeah. years and the world's different and doesn't yeah. care about her. Yeah, like, you know, trying to find your place in a new contemporary world. Yeah. And it's scary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you're working down on the loading docks. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't really around. know where you're going. No. And all you've got is your cat that was frozen oh. with you. Jonesy. Jonesy. Jonesy gets to stay home. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't have to come on the second movie. Thank, I'm glad. Mm-hmm. I don't think you would have made it. No. He. He was much happier. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So we got some some light thematic crossing over yeah. going on. Um. How about practicalities? Yeah. This is a tough one, considering <laughs> one is in space and one is in contemporary London. Yep. That is for sure. Um. So I mean, for me, I think the link is very much in the Wayland Utani Corporation, which is this yes. shadowy organization. Um, in the background of all of the Aliens movies, um, sometimes in the foreground, because Wayland and Yutani become characters. But, you know, they're all, they're constantly looking to sort of find the pinnacle of human achievement and, and human uh, success. And so I think that, you know, obviously, uh, in the course of that, they are watching youth soccer leagues to oh, try yeah. to gauge just how high uh, humans can fly. 
um, uh, you know, evolutionarily. So, so I think they, they have their attention drawn to one Hounslow Harriers team. Um, and so, you know, like at the end of the movie, Jess and Jules get scholarships. Are they funded by Wayland Yutani? Oh, yeah. And they're going straight to cryosleep. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, maybe the rest of the team gets kidnapped, too. Um, because, you know, they were all there. They're all, yeah, they all succeeded. Yeah. And Wayland Yutani is like, we must know how we ourselves can bend it like Beckham. Bend how? it around God himself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as if as if we were a ghost holding a cardboard, cardboard cutout. Cut walking through an airport. <laughs> so yeah. So I think that they get unfrozen and like maybe they're sent off to, to colonize a soccer world, which is where uh-huh. the Wayland yutani soccer experiments are happening. Yeah, of course. But unfortunately, In- that happens to be on alien planet which has a name and i forget the name of it but uh but yeah and so you know there's aliens there and it's bad and so then they have to send the space marines in and so you got soccer players and space marines yeah mostly let's just get a place where soccer players and space marines that's way the soccer world yeah (laughs) coming this fall yes so yeah we are on soccer world there's aliens there's marines everybody's shooting everybody yeah well everybody's shooting aliens and aliens are eating everybody um yeah Who's on whose side here? I mean, I feel like all the Harriers would be on Ripley's side. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty easy one yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, I don't think that, I mean, well, let's just, I mean, one of the Harriers has to go rogue and be and be a traitor or a Wayland yutani plant. I mean, one of them. Yeah. Oh, sure. I, I, I mean, uh, well, I don't really remember the names of the rest of them. There's only Mel, who's the captain. Yeah. And I kind of like her. Maybe Joe was pushed too hard by his father. Maybe Joe's father is there. <gasps> oh, my God. Maybe Joe's father is Mr. Whalen. Yeah, Joe. I mean, he, I, as far as I can tell, he does not have a last name. Yeah, he, he doesn't, could be Joe Whalen. He doesn't even have a longer name that necessitates the nickname Joe. <laughs> no. Unlike Jess, Jess and Jess Jules. Minder, Jules, <laughs> Julia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's the twist. He is Joe Wayland. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Mr. Whalen is there, and they have a lot of father-son And that's drama. why he didn't want Joe to be the Hounslow Harry's coach, because he knew that they were a, they were a, tra- a secret training program exactly. for they alien were, fodder. They were going to get sent to Alien Town. Yeah. So Joe, in a lot of ways, has to decide whether to overthrow his father or join in the experimentations. Man. Yeah. And and Joe, again, is definitely team Hounslow Harriers. Oh, yeah. I mean, he makes the right decision at yeah. the end. But maybe he's a little conflicted for like five minutes or something. We got to get some drama in here. I know. But that's the thing. I love all of these Bended Like Beckham people. I could see Paul Reiser being a soccer agent. A soccer agent? You know, like you ha- like they have. Yeah, right. Well, uh, I guess they do. Yeah, I mean, like a representative. They, they, a uh, scout? Yeah, there as it you is. call them. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, a, a, a soccer man. Soccerman. Mr. Mr. Soccerman. Mr. Soccerman. Um, yeah, I think Carter Burke is there. Like He's the recruiter, of course, giving out these scholarships. And it's very sleazy and very weird. Yeah. Um, and I can see um, Jules's mom being very impressed by sleazy Paul Reiser. By Carter Burke? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a charmer. Yeah. She watched Mad About You. She loved Mad About You. Yeah. Who Hey, who didn't love Mad About right. You? Right. Oh, my God. They had the dog. They had a lot of things. They had, that was a great show. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> yeah, I guess Jess's family have been kidnapped for leverage and sent to soccer Yeah, because I want to see them there, too, and yeah. all come together and... Fight aliens. Fight aliens. Yeah, and then we got a bunch of Marines, and I'm sure that some of the Marines played soccer. Yeah, I can see... Um, uh, uh, that, oh, what's her name? Newt? Um, no, the Ripley? one... Who, no, the one... Vasquez? Who gets, Vasquez. There you go. I can see her being like, oh, yeah, 
I played soccer, soccer back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. I loved soccer. Yeah. And like, I think Apone was probably like the, the a soccer coach at some point, just like with his big cigar. Yeah. That's his character trait. Yeah, oh, totally. He has a mustache and a big cigar. There you go. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, we got some soccer cro- crossovers here. I think Gorman probably played in like Dynamo League and was terrible, and but always wanted to play soccer. And so he's very jealous of everybody. Yeah. That's why he's such a bad soldier now. He is. Oh, no. Yeah. So, I mean, other than fighting the aliens. Yes. Duh. Everybody fights the aliens. Yeah. Uh, let's play some crossover games. Um, how about Kiss Your Faces? Um. Let's assume the Hounslow Harriers have all aged into Appropriately. Into, yeah. So yeah. they are all adult people. Yes. Um. So I'm going to say, I mean, Melon Vasquez. Captain oh, of Hounslow Harrier yeah. and Private Vasquez. Um, Absolutely. Because, yeah, they're both hardcore ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, I I feel like I would like, um, what was it, maybe Hicks to... I feel like, I mean, Hicks and, Hicks and Ripley oh, have kind yeah, of a thing going on. True. It's not like codified, but, you know... They, yeah. they don't like. They don't agree to go on a date while they're escaping the yeah, right. queen. But I think they probably would at some point. Yeah. Um. I think Pinky and Hudson. Like I feel oh, like. Oh man. I feel like Hudson's just enough of like a, a charming sleaze. He's a sleaze, but he's like. Well, I could see maybe one of the the Greek oh, chorus yeah. one of, the other of girls. yeah yeah yeah. Pinky would hold out because for... Pinky's engaged slash married oh, that's throughout true. the movie. So yeah. so if we're treating the the in movie canons as canon, then yeah. yeah, I think one of the other girls and Hudson would wind up coupled with somebody. Because, yeah, you know, I think with the right woman, he could be okay. And you know what? Even if she they was just like I just made out with this soldier dude this at some weird, point. Weird annoying marine. Yeah, and he kept shouting game over, and I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, how about Bishop? I know that's the thing because I'm like I I want to pair Bishop up with someone, but I feel like as a Cylon, yeah, who's like, also I don't only know. half of a body by the end of the oh, movie. Oh no, yeah, like I don't know if he feels romantic love yeah. in that way. Um, but maybe this can send us into some best buddies. Yeah, okay, let's go into best buddies. I think maybe um, Mr. Bomber, uh, Bomra and Bishop. Oh, yeah. Like, they would have a lot to talk yeah, about. Yeah, because I feel like they would have a lot to talk about in terms of... Prejudice? Yeah, like being, you know, stereotyped. Um, and and also different ideas of cultural expectations. Um, uh, Mr. Bomber is really good at the game where you stab the knife in between people's fingers. Yeah, I, w- I feel like wouldn't that be a great secret talent if he was like, I can do that, bim, bim, and yeah. like uh, Jess and Pinky are just like, what? What is happening? How did Dad do that? <laughs> he was like, when I didn't make the cricket team, I, I went to some dark places. Yeah, I went to the knife team. <laughs> the knife team. They let they anybody like, on the knife take team. All kinds of knife team. Mm-hmm. No judgment here. No. Man. Um, I feel like like Jess and Jules would look out for Newt too, and in, in the yeah. same kind of. Teach her how to play soccer. Yeah. They'd go down oh, slides yeah. together. It would be great. Yeah. Aw. Um, maybe Jess's mom could teach Newt how to make traditional Indian dishes. Yeah. Like she wants to teach her daughter. And maybe like Newt is Aww. like, Newt like would, real interested. I mean, she's think, real interested in food. I think she's Newt wants a super calm family life by the yeah. end of this. For sure. Oh, And I mean, as much as Ripley is her surrogate mom, like I kind of love the idea of this little traumatized Moppet. Like peeking into the bomber kitchen I mean, it and like being like, how do you do that? It takes and a village on Wayland Utani soccer world. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Once the aliens have been exterminated. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. Hey, who's the alien queen going to be best buddies with? 
Um, maybe Jules's mom. <laughs> I feel like they would have a lot to talk about. <laughs> they would about. have a lot to talk about you in know. terms of like female expectations. Maintaining broods of eggs. Yeah, exactly. Like like making sure all your children are in line. And not being set on fire. And not gay for some reason. <laughs> yeah, the alien queen is very, very uh, conservative. She is very homophobic. Mm-hmm. That's no, why we true. have to kill her at the oh, end. No, it's very true. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like, I mean, Hicks and Joe would grab a beer together. Yeah, I can see that. You know. Um, I feel like, I mean, more because it's an Aliens movie and you've got to establish stakes. I feel like pretty much the entire rest of the soccer team and the rest of the Marines all get killed by yeah, Aliens. Yeah, I assume that. Like, you know. You've got to have expendable Hounslow Harriers, expendable Marines. Yeah, like I, I love all the Harriers, but, you know, yeah. if the Marines are going to go, the Harriers should probably go as well. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of xenomorphs with, like, super well-defined calves and thigh muscles. Yeah, because, yeah. Because, like, I mean, they take after their hosts. Right, like, that's who I would want to be if <gasps> I were an alien. Okay, so the battle is almost over. Yeah. Everything looks like it's about to be lost, yeah. but... The only aliens that are left are ones that have come from the Hounslow Harriers, and they challenge the surviving Marines to a soccer match. <gasps> yes. Yes. <laughs> Can Jess bend it like Space Beckham? Yeah, yes. Which is that ghost in yeah. space. It just... It just <laughs> it's dead In this case, it's Victoria Beckham. <laughs> Man, this ghost has a deep and varied mythology. <laughs> it does. <laughs> It was another offshoot science project from Wayland Utani. Exactly. They're like, we have no idea why this happened. Yeah, we don't know how this happened, but we're going to go with it. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jess versus the soccer aliens. The yeah, sequel to Bennett Lake I, Beckham. I would kind of love that. Yeah, I would watch the heck out of that. Yeah, and instead of seeing like the opposing team as her aunties, she sees a bunch of aliens yeah. as her aunties. And Ripley can play goal in the power suit. Yeah. Oh, she would do a great job. Yeah. <laughs> extending Just extending her arm, yeah, grabbing absolutely. and crushing the ball. Anything goes on Alien World. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because they ate the referees. Yeah. So there it's a very no loose rules. definition of soccer. No one gets a red card. <laughs> I'm super happy with this. Yeah. I feel like we just battle domed it, essentially. Yeah. Oh, totally. Because like, it's it's a big fight. It's yeah. not like one on one. No, it's epic. Yeah. It's like like they need that uh, the software that Peter Jackson used in the Two Towers to like make the little armies. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's a big soccer it game, totally you guys. <laughs> Lots of people get eaten. Lots yeah. of heads get exploded. Lots of balls get kicked through nets. Yeah. And in the end of the and day, that's necks. what matters. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe the ball is an alien egg. Yeah. Oh, totally. They have to kick the all the alien eggs. <gasps> there it is. Into the, the into the ultimate goal of space. Yeah. Yeah. The final frontier. <laughs> Oh my. Well, I think that's a pretty airtight crossover. Yeah, right oh there. totally. I see no I, holes in the logic. No, I just want to see a bunch of like badass lady soccer players fighting aliens on the soccer field with Ripley in her suit yeah. at goal. Bend it like Beckham, twenty six eighty four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch the heck out of it. Uh well, Eddie, if people want to kill time until that crossover film comes out, where can they see more stuff like Bend It Like Beckham? Um, so for more sports-themed work with great romance and family drama, um, we have Love and Basketball, which is another amazing romantic comedy, romantic drama. It's not, like, super funny. 
Yeah. But like romantic drama also doesn't feel right. Dr- romantic. Dr- yeah, dramedy. Dramedy. Happy. It's a romance. It's a sports romance. There it is. Yeah. There we go. A spromance. Spromance. <laughs> spros. 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 <laughs> um, it is about a boy and a girl uh, living next door to, to each other who are both talented la- basketball players and the challenges they face both on the court and in the romantic sphere. Um, and this is not the Basketball Diaries, which is the Leonardo DiCaprio. No, movie. this is actually about basketball. Okay. This cool. is love and basketball. Ah, together um, at last. I want to say it's Omar Epps. I believe you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, some real good 90s romance feels. <laughs> With soundtrack by Missed Opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and Jace Fe- J-Cubed. <laughs> Featuring J-Cubed. Oh... <laughs> Um, you can also read the Dairy Queen series by Catherine Gilbert Murdoch about a young female athlete growing up in a farming community. Um, you can watch Friday Night Lights, a TV show we pre- talked about in a previous episode um, about a small town in Texas and its football culture. Um, and that was another sports sci-fi crossover. Yeah, wow. So we're really into that genre. I know. Now we've got to start doing crossovers of crossovers. Yeah. Oh, wow. So mm. then... There, so there's soccer alien fight. Uh huh. Um, but what if the aliens get bigger? Oh no! What if they turn into giant sea monsters? Oh no! We're gonna need some Friday Night Lights football. Yeah, the and like Friday Night Lights, um, rock'em sock'em robot suits. Oh yeah, giant robot suits. Yeah, and Ripley already knows how to be in the the robot suit. You know, this is just iterative property. They are totally going to cancel the apocalypse now. Heck yes. Yes. <laughs> um, for more contem- about contemporary cultural divides, um, with a particular highlight on South Asian families, we have the namesake by Jhumpa Lahiri uh, about a first generation Indian immigrant family. This particularly focuses on the father and son, um, and Lahiri's writing is just spectacular. Uh, the movie is also really well done, so you can't lose on any front. Um, there's Born Confused by uh, Tujana Desai Hidier, um, which has a great that great balance of teenage girl trying to balance contemporary life in America and her family's Indian traditional values. Um, There's Written in the Stars by Aisha Saeed, uh, the story of one girl's forced arranged marriage in Pakistan. Uh, And and this is a really tough read, um, but it is so powerful and beautifully done. Um, There's When Dimple Met Rishi uh, by Santya, excuse me, Santya Menon, um, more of a romantic comedy take on the arranged marriages in a contemporary setting. So once you've read Written in the Stars, you can read this. Need a little bit of a pick me up. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this one just came out at the end of May, so I haven't read it yet, but I've heard super good things. Uh, there's Gabby, A Girl in Pieces by Isabella Quintero about a young Latina woman's exploration of family and friendship and love uh, told partially through her poetry. And then um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which is another unexpected romantic comedy hit about a young woman dealing with her family's traditional and cultural expectations and trying to figure out how to be her own person while still appreciating where she came from and speaking of appreciating where people come from aliens come from people aliens come from your stomach inside people um who is that alien telling you to be what is that little alien voice? Follow the saying? alien inside you yeah. before it bursts out of your chest and goes <laughs> and its eats own way. The rest of your family, exactly. 
Um, if you want more stuff like aliens, uh, just a heads up because I am uh, heavily medicated right now. I went with a lot of obvious choices for recommendations this time. Um, but also, I feel like aliens, it's such a movie movie that most of my recommendations are TV and movie for this one. It just sort of fits oh, yeah. action film template to a T. Um, watch Alien, the original film. It's great in a very different way than Aliens. Um, it's much creepier and the production design is beautiful. Um you can also watch the other Alien movies if you really just can't get enough of the world. Um, Aliens 3 is David Fincher and insane. Alien Resurrection is super insane and features Winona Ryder and a script that Joss Whedon wrote and has since apologized wow. profusely for. Um, there's Prometheus, Alien Covenant. Um, it's really like fascinating to look at these movies all together and see that they all came from the same essential source text. And I think it speaks to what makes the first film such a, a, a wonderful, simplistic or simple horror setup that you can spring in all these different directions from. Oh yeah. Like why is the alien there? How did, yeah. Where did it come from? You can Are go as more? big like, or as little as you want. And yeah. like really Scott is obsessed with making it about like man's search for meaning and James Cameron just wanted to make an awesome action film. Succeeded. And yeah, exactly. Uh, David Fincher, I don't really know what David Fincher wanted to do. Does but, anyone ever know what David Fincher yeah, wants a, to do? But there's a dog alien in it. There's so, a dog alien? Yeah, there's a dog alien. What? It bursts out of a dog. So oh, like hell no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's No. Rough. Why would it rough? Oh, <laughs> just like that. 180 degree turn. Yep. Um, I would, I very honestly and very genuinely recommend Starship Troopers, uh, the Paul Verhoeven film. Uh, shut up, you guys. I'm not kidding. It's a satire. Watch it remembering well, that it's a satire and you will love it. A lot of people love that movie. Yeah. It gets a lot of flack online because I think a lot of people, especially really? when it, yeah. I've it, only seen very positive things about really? Starship, Tro- Starship Troopers. Maybe I, it's the particular people I follow on Tumblr. You but just I, have smarter people on Tumblr, I do. I I mean, Shout I think, out to all my Tumblr followers. I think especially when it first came out, a lot of people read it straight. Um, oh. And now it has been recognized as the satire that it was, and it's pretty brilliant. Um, That's the one with it, Alan Rickman, right? No, Wait. Starship Troopers has Casper Van Dien. Wait, oh, so I'm thinking of another movie. What am one am I thinking? Alan of? Rickman was in the one Lost where, in Space. No, it's the one where they they're like a Star Trek cast, and then they go to space. Oh, that's Galaxy room. Quest. Oh, no, okay. that's brilliant. Yeah, see, a lot of people love that one. Yeah. I don't know anything about Starship Troopers. Star- Never mind. Starship Troopers features a cast of very dumb, very pretty people. And it's all about uh, fascism. And it's oh. it's a pretty brilliant satire, actually. Uh, it's Paul Verhoeven being crazy and delightful. Um, it has space marines in it. So that's my tie-in to Aliens. Um, Battlestar Galactica. It's been a while since we wrapped that one. What, probably like two or three episodes at this point. Got to remind yeah, people to watch every Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, every day is an opportunity to wreck Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. There's also a lot of great videos floating around Facebook this week of um, Entertainment Weekly got the Battlestar Galactica team together for like a 10-year anniversary. It's like seeing your family get back together, except yeah. you love your family. <laughs> <laughs> so big exception. Yeah. Um, and they have love, they share lovely memories, and it's adorable. Oh, Edward James Olmos is everybody's real dad. Uh-huh. Um, there's Terminator and T2 Judgment Day. Um, early James Cameron was so good at action movies, you guys. It's really hard to overstate how good he was and then he looked out at the ocean and like everything went wrong okay so titanic is actually a very well done historical drama oh yeah but i think it's more that he did like the abyss and then he did a bunch of ocean documentaries and then he did titanic an ocean documentary no they're fine they're just not action movies but that's i mean that's not what he was doing that's like saying oh man i really like you kept making great pies and then you made a cake and I like I just I don't think this is a pie, and they're like, no, it's a cake. 
Yeah, but it's I a want, different thing. I want pie. But you ordered I basically, the cake. I want, but then, okay, so you make your pie, you make your cake, and then you just make like a rock. And you say, this that rock is, is called Avatar. It took yeah, me 10 right. years. It took me 400 years to make. And $5,000 billion. It's entirely forgettable. <laughs> now I'm going to make 20 more of them. That no one cares about. And yeah. they're going to make a Disney theme park that no one cares that about. That looks terrifying. Um, so yeah. Watch early James Cameron. We'll talk about Avatar at some point on the show, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, the Thing by John Carpenter. Um, it's a bit more of the body horror and horror horror side of the coin, but it's another Ew. great tot thriller. Um, super great. Uh, Predator. Oh, Predator, you guys. What a 90s movie Predator was. Uh, it is super wacky and fun and just cool and it's Arnold Schwarzenegger killing a space bounty hunter and that's pretty great um, and then uh, the Aliens versus Predator computer game uh, which came out in the early 2000s uh, was flat out brilliant um, this is not the Aliens versus Predator movie movies they actually made more than one of those movies and that's really unfortunate wow um, yeah they're all terrible um, the Aliens versus Predator video game was great because you could play as a colonial marine as the alien or as the predator and you were in a similar scenario no matter what. And so you're going through, and if you were the Marine, you're just trying to survive. If you're the alien, you're trying to kill all the Marines and, like, save the nest. And if you're the Predator, you're trying to, like, hunt hunt the alien queen. Um, it was a really cool, fun game. And if you were playing as the Marine, it really perfectly replicated the feeling of, like, tension and dread that Cameron builds into the action sequences mm. in the movie. Well, that's um, pretty cool. Yeah, it was great. Like, you only had, like... You, all you could do is like throw flares out in front of you and you had the little beeping motion detector and it was great. It's a very creepy, fun game. Uh, so yeah, if you can find an emulator to play it on, go play it. Uh, I'm sure the graphics are no longer good, but it was really fun anyway. Um, speaking of things where the graphics aren't great because there are no graphics, Annie, if people want more crossover appeal content, because we're a podcast, we don't have graphics. We have No, we have graphics on our Tumblr. Oh, no, and they're great there. graphics. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not like animation. I'm saying. They're, no, they're. they're I'm saying people aren't watching an animation of us talking right now. They they are not watching an animation of us talking right now. Correct. Right? Are, aren't they? Oh, God. I've been drawing these pictures the whole time. <laughs> oh, my God. I was wondering what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> Annie, where can people go to look at your beautiful courtroom sketches <laughs> of our podcast? Okay. <laughs> So I'm going to go draw some stick figures and put them on our Tumblr at crossoverappealpodcast.tumblr.com. You can email us at crossoverappealpodcast at gmail.com. If you have your own stick figure drawings of us talking on a podcast. Which I fully expect you to. Of course. Um, you can share your stick figure drawings of us talking on a podcast at our Facebook group under Crossover Appeal Podcast. Or you can tweet at us about how our stick figures are worse than your stick figures and start a stick figure flame war by and tweeting us. have a poll over whose stick figures are the best. Yeah, at Crossover Appeal. And you can subscribe on iTunes and rate things like how good you think our stick figure drawings are. Yeah, we'll take that rating yeah, because sure. they're so good, you guys. Yeah, the You've stickiest no of stick figures <laughs> made with actual sticks. Oh, yeah. But uh, while we work to further hone our stick figure craft, um, we're going to hang out for two more weeks and practice all of that and then come back at you with a new episode, which we'll be crossing over some more exciting stuff. Yeah. Um, but until that time, uh, thank you guys very much for listening. It's been fun talking to you. This has been Crossover Appeal. <laughs> <laughs> and he's looking at me strangely. <laughs> no, I was just going to mention that, you know, if Ted Danson, the cardboard cutout is out there with its ghost, I hope that I enjoyed this episode too. Can we get to do a guest spot? 
There it is. Cardboard cutout ghost, you let us know what you want to cross over and we'll have you on to we'll talk have about it. it. It's going to be three men and a baby and three men and a baby part two. I'm cool with that. Three men and a little lady. That's what it's called. Oh, I used yeah. to watch that movie a lot. Wow. That's unfortunate. Why? It's a good movie. Okay. Well, this has been crossover <laughs> appeal. <laughs> I'm Walt McGoss. It was a good movie for five-year-old Annie. I'm Walt McGoss. I'm Annie Cardi, and I have great taste. <laughs> we are reminding you too, as always. Please ship responsibly.